Hey friends, and thank you for tuning in to The Occlusal Table, where we bridge dentistry with business, culture, and current events. I'm your host, Taylor Jackson, and if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Occlusal Table Pod and share this episode with your friends, family, and colleagues. So for today in our Match Day series, we will be taking a deeper look into oral and maxillofacial surgery residencies and how to match into your top program. Let's get started. Hey everyone, I am so excited and honored to be a guest on this podcast today. My name is Hannah Jeffers Fanders, and I'm a fourth year dental student at Meharry Medical College School of Dentistry. I am also an officer in the Army, and I will be attending residency in the fall at Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. My family lives uh, currently in Johnson City, Tennessee. And I attended George Washington University for undergrad, where I studied biology and music. I play piano. I love to sing. And in my spare time, I also love to complete daily wordles with my husband and practice hot yoga. Good morning, everyone. My name is Marcus Creighton. I am a fourth year uh, dental student at Meharry Medical College. I am from Chicago, Illinois, born and raised. And I have recently matched into Howard University Hospital in Washington, D.C. Uh, a little bit about me. I graduated from Fisk University, which is located right across the street from Meharry, uh, where I was a biology major. And in my spare time, I like to uh, play guitar. Awesome. Well, we are so happy to have you here on the show, guys. And congratulations. Woo! I know that it is a huge accomplish, accomplishment to match into um, a specialty program. So I guess if we can jump right into the questions. So what was your dental journey like and what led you to pursuing oral surgery? I'll go first. Um, so I actually decided pretty late in my academic career that I wanted to pursue dentistry. Um, I really didn't start until the end of my sophomore year of college, which seems kind of crazy. Um, I started as a music major and then I decided I didn't really want to pursue a career um, in that field. So I started just taking some other classes in a variety of fields. I've always been interested in health and medicine. Um, so I was taking public health class and we ended up doing a, um, a case study about a little boy who actually passed away from a tooth abscess. And for me, I'm pretty spiritual. So that was, that was a little bit of a God moment right there. And I decided right then and there, I was going to be a dentist and my family was very surprised and confused because um, I'd been doing a lot of music and, but I'm very blessed. They were very supportive. Um, Completely changed all my classes to start taking prerequisites and start studying for the DAT. And I haven't looked back since. <laughs> and as far as um, oral surgery in particular, um, the very first week of classes at Meharry, actually, we had uh, one of our faculty members um, who served as an oral surgeon in the Army. She was sharing stories of her cases throughout her career. And I remember being just fascinated by just the huge scope of the specialty, um, facial reconstructions after trauma, diagnosing and treating different kinds of pathology and everyone. It's a little weird, but I do love the bloody side of surgery. Um, but I wasn't sure if I really wanted to do more years of school after dental school. Um, so I kind of just ignored the little voice in the back of my head. And then sophomore year of dental school, we started actually taking kind of the specialty courses, learning a little bit more about the specialties. And when we started taking the oral surgery class, I was like, this, I think this is it. Started going to the oral surgery clinic and observing more. And I was like, got to go for it. Got to go for it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been awesome. <laughs> Uh, well, for myself, my story is a little different. I didn't realize I wanted to go to dental school until I was a junior in college. And so I had to, but I was always a biology major. I just wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do with it. And so by the time um, it came um, towards uh, being a, a senior, I realized that I still needed to take some um, 
some prerequisites for dental school. So after graduation, I actually ended up um, having to take um, biochemistry at Tennessee State University. And during that time, I was um, studying for the DAT exam and I was spending some time shadowing um, a pediatric dentist here in Nashville and an oral surgeon here in Nashville. And uh, I I enjoyed going to the pediatric office and, you know, watching him deal with kids because I, I, I like to work with kids. But when I went to the oral sur- uh, surgery surgeon's office and I saw him doing all these sedations and these um, he had a, a portfolio of all these different orthognathic surgeries that he had did. I was like, wow, this is really cool. And so I started to you know spend more time looking into that. And by the time um, I got accepted into Meharry's uh, post-baccalaureate program um, and I took a gross anatomy course, um, it, it really just, it sold me right then and there. Um, and so by the first day of school, I already knew I was like, this is, this is what I wanted to do. All right, so I um, took this, like I was saying, I took this gross anatomy um, course um, in the post-baccalaureate program, and I was really intrigued uh, during the head and neck section uh, and just the uh, anatomic layout of the skull and being able to, like, fix these things and change um, the appearances of patients. Um, And I I, um, spent some more time going back and shadowing private practice, and so by the time the first day of dental school started, I knew what I wanted to do. And um, the chairman of the program uh, gave a, a, a great presentation. I remember like she came in there and she was like, if you want to do oral surgery, you got to be the best. Like, <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man. And I remember um, she showed all these um, photographs of all these cases that she saw. And I was like, this is really extreme. Like this, this is a dentist right here. Like this does not look like dentistry. but I remember like right after she gave this presentation, I was in her office um, asking her, like, what do I need to do? Um, How can I become an oral surgeon? What are the things that I need to be working on right now as a freshman? And I would would do that. um, I was doing that every every year. Like she told me to get my grades up and she told me to take this exam. And so um, it it really just started um, with that for me. Yeah, it takes a very special person uh, to go into oral surgery because I had the opposite experience to where um, when we sat in that lecture, when she was showing all those pictures, I was like, this is what I do not want to do. (laughs) Facial reconstruction, everything like a laceration across the eye, forehead or gunshot to the head, like no. So, um, but you know, it does take a special person to do that. And it, you know, it's an honor to know both of you guys, you know, and pursuing your dreams and everything. Like I know exactly who to refer to. Um, so when it came to preparing for the application, um, was location a big deal, the amount, um, in the stipend, what was the criteria when selecting the schools that you applied to? And even the number of schools, if you, um, would like to, um, share that number as well. So I think Marcus will have more to say about this since I I am in the military. I did not really have much of a say in where I went. Um, I was able to rank the military program. So how it works in the military, if any of you are listening and interested in pursuing military um, for matching, it's basically you apply to the military program as a whole, and then you rank kind of which locations, uh, which programs you like the best, and then you may or may not get those depending on other applications. Um, but I did rank Walter Reed higher on my um, rank because I, I wanted a bigger program to be able to um, experience treating more trauma patients. I think I'm interested in that. Um, but so as you're kind of thinking about what you want in a program, some things that you can think about is um, most oral surgeons I are going to take call. That's one of the big things. Um, but depending on the smaller programs, if they're um, level one trauma, things like that. Um, so you can be look asking residents and programs how often residents take call, what the patient pool is like. Do they do a lot of orthognathic surgery? Um, are they involved in oncology reconstruction cases? Um, and so that's because the scope of oral surgery is so wide. 
Um, most programs are not going to be able to do everything. Um, so talking to residents, figuring out what you're most interested in, or think you think you're most interested in just to make sure that you are able to get experience. And that would be my best advice. Um, okay, so uh, when I was applying, I at first I had to def- I had to figure out if I wanted to apply to a six year program or a four year program. Um, that's that was my first thought. I was like, okay, I know I want to do oral surgery. Do I want to do a four year or a six year? And um, uh, I spent some time like you know researching the different programs to see like you know what do they do more at this program? Um, what do I what am I looking for in a program? So. Um, I, once I figured out I wanted to only apply to four-year programs, I, my next um, next main biggest thing was I wanted to be at a level one trauma center. Uh, I, I wanted to, that's where I would like want to train as a level one trauma center um, because I want to be able to um, deal with these, um, um, these, these traumatic cases and um, being able to uh, stabilize uh, these, um, these crazy fractures and um, to help restore the um, aesthetic look um, or restore function um, to the patient. Um, after like um, knowing that I wanted to do a level one trauma center, I wanted to be in a metropolitan area. <laughs> so uh, I know they say um, to apply to the program and not the area. Well, I was applying to the area too. <laughs> and um, I applied to a total of uh, 33 um, schools. I applied to 33 schools. I wanted to give myself the best opportunity to um, to land somewhere. Um, I, I've been in, in Nashville, uh, Tennessee for quite some time. I've done my under, undergrad here and I, I wanted to uh, make my way back to a metropolitan area. And so um, I had some top cities on my list. I was fortunate to land in um, D.C., which one of my top cities on my list. Uh, but those were some of the things that I looked for in a program. Also, what Hannah uh, mentioned was like some programs, they spend more time doing certain cases. I knew that I wasn't interested in, on, on, in oncology. Um, those, are, those are some things that didn't really interest me. Um, I, I wanted to more so do um, like general reconstructive surgery or benefit cases, um, um, stabilizing um, Lefort fractures, things like that. Uh, and so I, I wanted to make sure that I applied to a program where they they get a a nice little balance of the, the broad scope of oral surgery. So that's that's fine as well. Yeah, and then um, even like for the difference between four years and six year programs, majority of it I don't know if it if it ranges or anything, but for the four years that's when you get your oral surgery certificate. But then the six years that's when you get your certificate and then your MD as well. Correct just for our listeners to know <laughs> if they don't so, know the difference. <laughs> you'll get the MD like your second or third year in the program. You don't get it at the end. You'll get it like the second or third year in the program. But as far as like the training of the, as far as oral surgery is concerned, um, I remember when I was applying to um, Emory and um, with the, the, they had a video showing you actually receive more months of training in the four-year program than you do in the six-year program. But in the six-year program, you, you will have a more, um, you'll have a stronger um, basis of understanding in medicine. And, um, and so that's, that's, um, that's the, that's the difference. Um, but as far as like, as far as your hands-on of, of oral surgery training, you will, will receive uh, the same amount of training. Gotcha. Okay. I think also, oh, sorry. sorry um, the other kind of one of the reasons why some people pursue the sixth year as well is some, if you're interested in a fellowship or if you're interested in more academia, um, some places, and I've talked to some people that say it's not, not an all or never situation. So if you do the four year, it doesn't mean that you can't do a fellowship or that you can't work in academia. Um, but there are some programs that look more favorably on an applicant that has completed the sixth year. So depending on your future career trajectory, basically, when it comes to choosing between a four-year or a six-year type of program, um, and then usually uh, they only select like one or two, maybe three residents, right, for oral surgery, or what's the biggest number you've seen? And I guess the smallest number is one, right? 
Yeah, I think usually I would say between one and two, honestly. Um, I don't know, Marcus, do you know some of the bigger places? How many have you seen? Uh, yeah, so the most that I've seen, um, this is the only program in the country like that, is the um, program in Houston. Um, they take six applicants every year, um, but the hospital is huge. Um, on average, it's mostly just two, uh, mostly on average. There's there's a there's a few programs that take three. Howard takes three. Um, the program in Iowa that takes three, but um, most programs just takes two. And there there are some that just take one. Um, it's and they they receive a lot of applications. Um, I, I remember um, uh, Emory told me they received over four hundred applications for. Uh, four slots in total, two for their four-year and two for their six-year. Um, a program of Florida told me they received about 300, uh, 300 um, applications for three slots. Um, so it, it, it's it's uh, it's really small. Yeah, it, they really have to be selective. So you really have to make sure that your application stands out. So that's why I applaud you guys even more for that. Because for me and my co-residents, there's going to be nine of us. You know, so um, and I wanted to have that kind of program as well. Um, but going on into the application some more, what was your CV like? So what did you get involved in during dental school um, to help build your CV? So for me, the CV is really just like you were saying, a place to kind of show off how you spent your time in dental school or before if you have things that you're proud of. You don't, you don't want it to be crazy, crazy, crazy long because you're not going to look through everything, but um, you don't, don't, don't be afraid of bragging a little bit. You know, this is you putting your best foot forward, telling the application why you'd be a great candidate for residency. Um, so I was involved in some things at school. So like as just a e-board of my class kind of um, position. So like leadership positions, um, and then I also wanted to have things that were on there that weren't just dental related. Um, so like volunteering wise, like I um, went to some food pantries a few times a semester, um, worked like with volunteering um, to read to middle schoolers, like things like that. Um, I always tell people it's don't do things that you hate doing just to put them on your CV. Um, first of all, because you're already in dental school. It's a lot's going on. Like don't do something that you hate doing just for this application. And second of all, if they ask you in your interview about some of these things, you want to be able to talk about them and how they helped you grow as a person. So you don't want to have to talk about things that you hated doing. Um, so yeah, I would just recommend doing things that you like to do already um, and show that you are well-rounded person, show some leadership. Um, and yeah, that's really my best advice. Um, for my CV, uh, uh, um, I, I spent some time into it. I, I actually had a little photo of myself on there. I tried to make it look real nice. Um, but um, like Hannah was saying, you don't want it to be too long. And so, and I know that they, they, they go through a lot of different um, applicants. And so I, I had the most important things at the top that I wanted them to see and the things that you know, if they get to this, then they get to this, but I need them to make sure they see this. And so um, as far as like um, grades and uh, um, uh, scholarships and honors, um, community service, um, um, things like that, um, I, I, I had towards the top of my um, of my my CV because all of these programs, they're, they're looking for a, a well-rounded applicant. They're not looking for somebody that's just that goes to dental school and comes back home and studies and then goes back to dental school. That's not what they're looking for. They're looking for a, a person. And so I just wanted to, to show on paper that, you know, this is, this is me and, and th this is a little bit about me. And, you know, I'm also, I'm, I'm also a good dental student. So that's, that's just kind of how my, my CV was formatted. So then on the flip side of extracurriculars, you know, grades definitely matter, especially for, oral surgery, like what is a good competitive range, um, <clears throat> excuse me, for those pursuing oral surgery? And then for those that may not have their GPA in that ideal range, what do you think they can do to help, um, I guess, get noticed in these programs? 
Or is it just like a non-negotiable kind of thing? <laughs> no, I definitely wouldn't say non-negotiable. Now, maybe, maybe if your GPA is under a two, I don't know how, I don't know. I don't know. Um, and again, military is a little bit different as far as um, kind of the cutoff. I think usually what they say is if you're under a three, it's going to be hard to be noticed. Um, again, pro- not impossible, but much, much less likely. Um, I think for a civilian, ideally a 3.5. I don't know if that's correct. Marcus can correct me um, when he speaks. But so ideally, I would say a 3.5 is where you'd want to be. Obviously, even higher is better. But um, we all know dental school is challenging. So, <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so I would say around a 3.5 is ideal. And then if you are um, under that, or you just want other ways to make yourself stand out, um, what my mentors have told me is externships and shadowing as much as possible, working with either faculty members or if you have oral surgeon contacts outside of school. Um, that way, you have really, really, really strong letters of recommendation. And if you're externing at programs that you are interested in applying, they're going to remember that. Um, and performing well on those externships. So making sure that you, you know, a little something before you go, you're ready to answer questions. Um, you're ready to stay with the residents when they're taking call during, um, however long you're there for, um, those would be the best ways that I would say to stand out. I, I can't really speak on like what was the minimum of what they're looking for on too much because um, at every place that I extern, I ask the program director, like, what, what, what are you looking for in an applicant? Um, they all told me they're looking for somebody in the top 10% of their class. They all said that they're looking for somebody with a, a passing score on the CBSE. Um, they're looking for somebody that, um, they also say they're looking for somebody that's a team player. So that's something that you can kind of like convey through letters of recommendation in your CV. Um, and they're also, um, looking for somebody with experience. So, you don't have the strongest uh, GPA, you want to have a very strong test score. Um, you want to have um, um, some experience um, uh, at, a, at a hospital-based program so that you know what it's like to be on call, what, what do you know what it's like to be in the OR, um, because people think oral surgery is just taking out teeth, and it's not. I mean, you will be in the OR all day for one case. like, uh, and, and so these, these are some things that you, you will you'll find out like if this is, if this is really what I want to do, like you'll find all that out on an, an externship where you're getting paged at three o'clock in the morning for, you know, some laceration or something. And you, you got to go, you know, figure, you know, what this is and, and, and you're, you're tired and you're sleep deprived. And, um, that these are things that, um, that they're looking for. They want to look for somebody that has an experience. And so, because when you, when you do get interviewed, they're going to ask you about your experiences. They're going to ask you the, you know, the typical interview questions, you know, tell me some about yourself and things like that, but they're going to want to know what have you seen so far in oral surgery. Um, so I, I would say that if you don't, you don't have the, 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 the best CB, uh, CBSE score, you, you want to have, you know, a very high class rank. If you, if you, um, if you don't have any of those, it's, it's, it's really hard. It's really hard. Um, and, um, it, that doesn't mean that it's not possible, but you, you have to, you got to get that score. Um, if you don't have the grades and you, and you want to spend as much time around oral surgeons. Now you guys touched on two important things, um, that I definitely want to dive deeper into. You guys talked about externing and you guys talked about the CBSC exam. Um, so f- let's talk about the exam first. What exactly is that? When did you guys take it? Um, what is an ideal score? Is it pass fail? What is that exam like? Well, that exam, it is a beast. I'm not going to lie. It is a beast. Um, (laughs) so the CBSC is equivalent to step one for medical students. Basically it's scored differently, um, when it's the CBSC, but the material is about the same as step one, which is like the first two years of medical school. Um, so depending on how in depth your 
anatomy was in dental school, you probably, we didn't do the lower limb when we did gross anatomy. So, and I did, I did have several questions on that. I had a lot of pelvis questions on my personal test. Um, So it's a lot of teaching yourself, a lot of watching videos and reading first aid and all of that. Um, So you can take it whenever you feel like you're ready. The And with COVID, it kind of changed how often it was offered, but um, it used to just be offered in February and August, I believe, or Marcus, I forget when exactly. Some it's offered specific times it used to be, but um, I know a lot of my classmates took it the February of um, D2 year. And then that way you have some time if you want to take it again. Um, A lot of, a lot of, if, especially if it's, you don't do as well as you want to that first time showing um, programs that you like, you recognize that you could do better. You attempted it again and you did better. That really shows something about your character, about how you would be as a resident. You obviously you're never going to be perfect at everything you do or learning. Um, So showing that you are willing to put in the effort to do even better. Um, From what I've been told, it it does look good on an application. Um, I took it since I had decided so late that I um, wanted to pursue oral surgery. um, I took it the summer um, before third year. So I took it in August before my third year. Um, And yeah, my biggest advice, I do have kind of a list that I send out of my resources, um, and kind of a sample study guide, kind of what I did. Um, so if anyone's interested, I'll give my email at the end. So I'm more than happy to send that out to anybody, answer questions. Cause I know it is, it is a beast. So the more information you can get, um, but the biggest resources I use were UWorld. So doing questions, 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 as many questions as you possibly can do. Um, that was super helpful. UWorld is a little bit expensive, but 100% worth it. I would say, Um, And then I also watched a lot of Pathoma videos um, and first aid is a good way to kind of just go back, review your biochem, your physio, all of that. Uh, Yeah. So the CVSE is, it's very tough. Like, like Anna just said, it's very tough. Um, I had to take it more than once. And um, I also want to recommend um, Sketchy Micro. Um, the camera. Sketchy Micro um, for those and Sketchy Farm. Um, trying to show it. Wait, yeah. Um, and um, Pathoma is very um, important as well uh, because then the reason why it's so imperative that you, you do well on this exam is because I remember uh, one program director, he said, the reason why we're looking for a certain score is because um, if you don't do well on this, if you don't, you know, score this certain, you know, score on this exam, you're not going to do well in this program because in oral surgery, you have all these different rotations. Um, like uh, for first year at Howard, you, you're going to be on internal medicine. You're going to be on anesthesia rotation along with being an oral surgery rotation. So, Internal medicine is not something you're going to learn in dental school. It's, you're only you're going to get um, you're going to self teach yourself um, some of this stuff, and and some of this is going to come back from the CVSE when we're dealing with all these labs and all these patients that have all these different diseases and diabetes and COPD. Like these are things that you're not going to really deal with so much um, at dental school. So it's it's really imperative that you um, you you self teach yourself these things um, when during dental school because you're going to see it again and see all this again. Um, you're going to be, you're going to be diagnosing um, uh, patho- uh, pathological uh, lesions in the mouth. Like you, you um, so it's, it's very important that you take this exam very seriously. This is, this exam is, is um, if you don't score the certain, a certain score, you can, won't get into a program. It, it gets more and more competitive each year. Um, and so um that's that's just my my take on it. So it seems like they have to have like different um, criteria to kind of like weed people out in a sense. 
Kind of, yes. And um, I guess, Marcus, you can tell them what programs told you as far as a minimum if they did. I think above 70 usually is what I've heard the most. Um, so, yeah. Um, well, from program directors, like from the ones that I've asked, they said um, once at 200, once at 194. It, it depends on what program you're applying to. Some program directors are not asked um big on the CVSE score as other programs are. Um, it just depends on where you're applying to. Um, but I would try to have that that um that score as high as possible. Um there are people that have gotten in like in the 60s that they're um it I mean just a few years back there's some people that got in like with high 50s but it just gets more and more competitive. So that number changes every year. The number changes every year. So um what somebody got in with last year might not be the same score that you need to get in this year. Uh, so. Definitely good to know um, for those that are interested in pursuing oral surgery. Uh, so then you, you guys also talked about externships. So did you guys um, have to reach out to the program director or do they already have these externships in place for you guys? How did you guys plan those trips? So again, I'll kind of tell you the military way um, and then Marcus can tell you all the civilian way. Um, so for me specifically also is crazy timing because I was deciding right when COVID first started. Um, and so some programs weren't doing externships at all. So the past couple of years have definitely made the whole process a little bit more challenging. I know virtual externships are becoming more normal, um, but I would, if at all possible, go on a, on an in-person externship. Cause like Marcus was saying, you will, for yourself, just knowing whether or not you actually truly want to pursue this, that is the, the main way that you will find that out is by going on that externship, being with the residents, taking call. That's the only way you can know for sure. Um, if that's what you actually want to do, um, as far as how setting up the externships, some programs that I was, some military programs, they wanted, you had to apply for the externship. Um, and those ones were kind of shut down with COVID, but there were two programs that I reached out to. And I just emailed the program director um, and their business assistant, um, just asking them if it was at all a possibility. Um, and Two of them emailed back and they were like, we'd love to have you. If you can drive here and get here, we'd love to have you. Um, so I just picked a week, told them I was coming. Um, at one of the locations, I stayed with a friend who lived in the area and another uh, just bit the bullet, stayed in the hotel. I um, wasn't really in the hotel much. So, <laughs> um, but so yeah, so I, I did two and I think that was a, a good sense. Um, I wish that I had done maybe one more. Um, just so you can get an idea of kind of multiple different programs. Um, and then really just make sure that you're as prepared as you can be. They, they know you're a dental student. They know you're not a resident yet. Um, so you still have time to learn more, but at one in particular, they really treated me like a resident and they pulled me into a conference room and said, Hey, tell me everything you know about methemoglobinemia. Like, just tell me everything, you know, and you're like, Whoa, okay. Okay. Um, here's what I know. Um, so, and they just, they love that. And I, it's a great way to learn. I think, I know it's stressful, but I, I like that kind of environment. So I, th I think I'm going the right route because I do, I enjoy that, even though it is stressful, but, um, so you can really impress your potential future attendings by knowing a little something in dental school. So show that you read, you've read a little bit, um, and that way, when you are applying, they'll, they'll remember you, they'll remember your name, um, so yes, I would recommend at least two, if at all possible, um, but as many as you can do really is better. <laughs> uh, yeah, so for um, those who are, are applying through a DIA pass, um, as far as externships go, you um, would have to go to that program's website and on their website, they will show you how, who you need to email um, and then snap with the program director um it's like one of their secretaries or something and they'll they'll email you back a, a form and some paperwork that you have to fill out some um 
Um, well, actually, both of the places that I went to um, outside of Meharry required that you have some other um, type of private insurance um, uh, to, to cover yourself while you're there. Um, the, the two virtual externships um, that I did are nothing like an in-person externship. So if you did like six virtual externships, like they're going to look at that like, why didn't you go anywhere? Like it's, it's not going to be the same. And also it's important that you try to do as many externships as possible because just because you go somewhere, that doesn't mean they're going to be, it, it could be a slow week. It, it, it could only be like two OR cases. Um, um, it, 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 you could be seeing the same type of things. Um, I remember uh, the first externship that I went on, we were in the OR about three times, but it was like, they're all the same type of, of procedures. They're just plate mandibles. And so um, I didn't get to see as much on that externship um, as I did when I went to a different one. When I went to a, um, this other externship that I went to at um, Cook County in Chicago, it was just, I just so happened to be there on a crazy week. Um, and at the end of the week, like the, I don't know, the third year resident, he was like, God, like, why, why are we getting all these cases this week? And they're all like long, like, uh, because, um, I mean, we were, we're in the OR for, I remember one time we were in the OR for six hours. The next day we're in the OR for eight and a half hours. Um, and then we had a few um, three hour, four hour cases like that week. And so I, I got to see a lot and I got to see a lot of different approaches um, to, to how they went about um, um, fixing these different types of fractures and um, what things that had to be done before the oral surgery team went in, because sometimes these are our team cases where the critical care and, um, uh, and trauma burns team goes in first before the oral surgeons go in there. And so um, it's, it's really important that you try to, um, to, to go to, to as many different programs as possible because every program doesn't run the same way and you, you, you get, you get different outlooks on things. And so, um, I, I felt that like that, that Chicago experience that I, um, that I had was, um, it was, it was, it was, it was tough, you know, going there, but also while I was, um, there, they were also doing some some cancer cases. And that's why I realized that yeah, I don't want to be, I don't want to do uh, oncology. It's, I mean, you, people are in the scrubbing in at seven 30 and, and it's still seven 30 PM and they're still in the OR. And I'm just like, Whoa. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of externships, right? You know, you can see what you want to do and things that you don't want to do. You know, that's why you definitely want to go and travel to these different schools and different programs, because the fact that you did go on there on that crazy week, you were able to see more than probably somewhere that someone that was just there the week before, you know, and didn't get that same experience. So it's definitely good to go to multiple programs um, to get a good gauge of what you would be doing as a potential oral surgery resident. So just a couple more questions here before we wrap things up. Um, so then with all these experience that you guys have had, your grades, your exams that you take, now we're at the personal statement where you tell your story and you tell the you show the human side of you guys, you know, and um, show that like who you are on paper so that that can jump out to whoever's reading your application. So um, how did you guys prepare your personal statement? Did you guys have a lot of people read it? Um, how did you go about making um, that uh, personal statement to tell your story? Yeah, the personal statement was definitely the hardest part of the application for me. Um, just because, and sometimes I just feel like I'm not the most interesting candidate, but I would say the biggest thing is just trust that your story is unique and special. Um, so don't be, don't be afraid to confidently just say what your story is. Like, you know, you best, so you're gonna, you're gonna know what to put in there. Um, but yeah, exactly like you were saying, the, I would say the most important thing is to have as many people as possible read it. Um, so I had, I think six faculty members read it. I had some of my friends read it. My parents read it. So it doesn't have to just be dental personnel. So just as many people as you can to read it, um, and give you kind of their feedback, a good way also to kind of be editing it, um, is reading it out loud to yourself, um, to kind of see how it's flowing. If things aren't making sense, sometimes it's hard if you're just reading it on paper. Um, and then 
Also emphasizing anything on your CV that you're really, really proud of, or you really want to make sure that gets emphasized. Um, I know sometimes you're like, well, it's in that, my application. So of course they know that, but might've been a really long day, the application, they're just reading personal statements that day. Um, you never really know. So, so anything that you really want to emphasize, put in there um, and then have as many people as possible read it. <laughs> Um, yeah, but I would agree with um, Hannah as well with saying for me personally, the personal statement was the hardest part. Um, it's kind of stressful because I was like, I don't know what to what to put about myself. And it's and it's very important um, on your application. I remember being on one um, interview and the program director himself said, some of you all are here today based off of your personal statement. I was just like, wow. Like, um, and so and he's like, I read everyone's personal statement. And um I uh, I had some some faculty members. I had some friends. Um, I have my uncle, who's a, a lawyer. Like uh, put the final, helped me put the final final touches on my um, on my uh, personal statement. Um, I, I I had it. My personal statement was just one page. Um, it was like first paragraph was about me. Um, second um, paragraph was like why oral surgery. Um, the third paragraph was like, why, why me or, uh, something like that. And so, um, cause I, I, first I had it, I had a two page personal statement. Then one of the staff members at Meharry, um, um, helped, helped me bring it down to one page. And then I just kind of just, um, went about like, uh, just constantly, um, festooning it. And, um, I was happy with the overall, um, final draft, but it, it takes some time. I don't wait to the last minute to do, to do your personal statement. Please do this like a few months in advance. Like you, this is not something you want to just wait like a few weeks or a month before the application cycle starts. I wholeheartedly agree with that statement, Marcus, because I know it took me some time to dig deep, like, okay, you know, who are you? I'm a different person than I was as a pre-dental student. I can't just revamp, you know, what I used to get into dental school, you know, and I say that all the time to anybody who asks, like, you are a different person. Please start early because this thing here is so important because all you have is that paper application. Um, so then moving forward into the last question, is there anything that you wish you knew um, prior to the application cycle? Or if you can tell yourself something um, as a first year or telling first years now that are interested in oral surgery, what you would have done differently or something that you're glad you're, you did um, so that you could be successful in this moment? Yeah, there's, I don't think there's anything that I wish I had known before applying. Um, I, I knew, I knew going in, it was going to be a, a long, hard process. So um, I think I <laughs> talking to people, I, I, I basically knew kind of what to expect. Um, I would encourage everybody to, as soon as you know, you want to pursue this, start getting organized, um, stay on top of letters of recommendation. I will say I I didn't know that I wanted to um, pursue oral surgery right away when I started dental school, but I still um, knew that it was important to make relationships with faculty members and really cultivate those relationships through the first couple of years. And so I'm very I'm very grateful that I did that. So even though I decided super late, those faculty members that I ended up writing letter asking for letters of recommendation, they knew who I was as a student. They knew. Um, how I was as an applicant. Um, so really, really making the time to get to know professors, have them get to know you, um, and then just be organized. And in this field, oral surgery, that is going to be a crucial part of your matriculation through residency. Like you're going to need to be organized. You're going to need to be good at time management. So practice, practice now, and that will definitely serve you well moving forward. Uh, one thing that I want to um, speak on is the importance of after you're after you've completed your CV, you've got your test score, you you've got your personal statement. Please sit down with um, some of the staff members. Uh, some of the um, if you can sit down with some of the uh, an oral surgeon from your school or someone who can give you a mock interview. It is very important that you like 
have some interviewing um, skills before you go into um, before you go into an interview um, because they're going to ask you all types of questions. Um, some are going to ask you questions that they know you don't know the answer to, but they want to they want to know how are you going to respond to this. And so um, you you want to you want to um, you want to to have some mock interviews. You want to you want to have some people drill you before you. You, you you sit up in these these rooms because you're only going to have 15 to 30 minutes with, you know, with all these people. They're going to ask you these different questions and then they're going to say thank you for your time today. So you you want to make sure you 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 get your mock interviews in. Okay. Oh, that's right. Even for interviews and everything, did you guys like have them in person or were all of them virtual or did you have a hybrid? Like for your interviews, what were they like? Um, mine were, uh, mine were, uh, also virtual, but also in person. I, um, I, uh, when I was in person, I was in a, in a, like a conference room, um, at the front of the table and everybody was, you know, firing off different questions. And, um, that's what, that's really where your extern, that's where you really can shine on your externship because they're going to ask you about what you've seen and, um, uh, like, uh, I remember, you know, they would ask, they asked me about, um, like, what's the longest I've been in the OR? Like, can you speak on your experiences? Like, have you, have you taken call? What are some of the things that you've seen while you've been on call? Like, and then they'll ask you questions based off of your experiences. Um, like, I remember um, they were asking me about, like, why, why um, they tested for this certain nerve while they were doing a certain approach. Um, so it, these are all like really important. Um, so these externs are really important because this is, this is where you're going to really talk about these experiences. You're not really going to talk about them in your personal statement. You're not really going to like, you're just going to list where you went on your CV. And so in your externship, on your in- interviews, they're going to ask you about these experiences. Um, when I, um, also, uh, the virtual, um, extern, um, interview is, is a little bit different. Um, it's, it, I was still, um, a little nervous, but it's it's different when you where you're in person because you 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 can sell yourself as a person. You you also get to um, see the facilities. They'll they'll take you on a tour of the facilities, so you you can really see if this is you know if, if I like it here or not. So um, those are some of the, the the those are some of the pros and cons. Like you don't really get to see how the other um, residents are. Um, and in, in, um, on, on a computer screen as you do at in person, so. Yes, mine was, mine was virtual as well, um, which like you just said, pros and cons to that. Uh, I would say for that interview, like still pretend you're getting ready to go on an in-person interview. So I know when I'm wearing my nice little business suit, you, you feel, you feel different when you put on that suit. So I would say just like prepare as if you were going on an in-person and then make sure you set up your room nice and make sure you're prepared. You find a room where you want to do it. Nothing crazy on the walls. Um, no fans in the background, turn off your air conditioning so that there's not like crazy noise in the background, you know, all of, all of the zoom etiquette that we all are so good at now. Um, but really just treat it like it is, is it in person? And unfortunately, if that's all that they're offering, um, you know, it will take what you can get. Right. But, um, and yeah, like you said, he'll ask questions that you may not know the answer to like my, we're talking about why I want to do oral surgery, talking about my strengths and weaknesses, how I'm planning to tackle the rigors of a program. And then he's like, all right, like my last question, um, tell me about the Krebs cycle. And you're just like, okay. <laughs> like they really, they're really just like they play in games and um, yes. <laughs> so you just never know. And so like, obviously there was no way that I like, was I really studying the Krebs cycle the night before my interview? Like, of course I wasn't, <laughs> but they just want to see how you like, how you handle that. Like, did I freak out and start hyperventilating? Like, no, just calmly say what you know, and then say, I have some studying to do or something, something. So that's just what I, my brain told me to say, but, um, <laughs> um, so yeah, so just, and be yourself. Like they want to know, they want to know who you are. 
um, as a person. So. <laughs> and it shows like your humility too, you know, because we don't know everything, you know, you weren't studying the Krebs cycle, like you said, the night before your interview, because we haven't really looked at that since biochem. So it's like, you know, um, you got to make sure you stay on your toes, but it's okay to not be perfect. Uh, and just to show, hey, if I don't know the answer, I'm going to say, I don't know the answer. But when you ask me again, I'll make sure I find out, you know, and going from there and moving forward. So Hannah, Marcus, do you guys have any closing remarks or your, you want to share your contact information that people know how to find you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so on Instagram, um, and my name is kind of hard to spell, so, <laughs> uh, but it's just at Hannah Jeffress Vanders, all one word. Um, and then my email is Hannah.Jeffress and it's J-E-F-F-R-E-S-S at gmail.com. If anybody wants to, um, I can send over my CV as a reference, um, my list of CBSC resources, anything like that. Um, and then I did just want to say one, one quick thing. Um, I know that especially as a woman going into a mainly male dominated field, it can be a little bit intimidating. Um, I do have some amazing female oral surgeon role models that I've been able to connect with and get advice. Um, and I also recently read this book called Behind Her Scalpel by Kathy Hung, Leslie Halpern, and Rania Habib. Um, it has some amazing testimonies of the pioneers in the field, really showing that women can be successful in this field too. Um, I personally have been told on multiple occasions that I am too nice and too gentle to be an oral surgeon. Um, and I've really started taking that as a compliment because I know that is one of my strengths. I really care about my patients and I don't ever want to lose sight of that. I don't want to change who I am because I'm going into this field. Um, so I really just encourage everyone and not just women, but everyone look going into this field to kind of be reflecting on what your strengths are um, as a provider, as you're finishing up dental school, like what do you really take pride in, in your craft um, and lean into that as you go forward in any specialty that you're pursuing. Um, Cause who you are matters and um, is important. Uh, yeah, so if uh, anyone wants to, well, before I start, I just want to say that book that you just talked about sounds really interesting, um, and I, I might check that out myself, but um, for for um, those who um, have any questions about um, interview, uh, the interview for uh, the Idea Pass um, cycle, you can email me at marcus.creighton82 at gmail.com, um, and I can also be reached on Instagram. Um, at Crado, spelled C-R-A-Y-D-O underscore. But if you just search my name, you should find me on Instagram as well. And I'll be glad to, you know, answer any questions or um, send you uh, what my CV looked like and um, answer any questions that you might have about the CBSE or um, the application cycle and things like that. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you guys for both being here today with me and sharing these gems for those that are interested in pursuing oral surgery. But um, that's all that we have for today. So thank you for sitting with us at the table. And remember to stay flossing and keep flossing. Bye, guys. Peace.